Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Linda. We're the Pagets. We're excited to be a part of Redeemer, Episode 10, Stories from My Childhood. Welcome to Redeemer, the official podcast of the Marian Servants of the Redeemer. I am your host, Javier Plumet, and with me, as always, for better or for worse, is the director of the Marian Servants of the Redeemer, Adam Novotny. A, Adam, a very happy April Fool's Day to you, sir. Happy April Fool's Is that an actual thing? Can you actually say happy April Fool's Day? I can't even say that. Oh my gosh. Happy April 1st Fool's Day? Well, I don't... Is that an actual thing? Happy April Fool's Day. You don't say first. <laughs> I can't even say it. That's how bad it is. So thank you for being with us, uh, Adam. We also have with us Holly. Say hi, Holly. Good evening, everyone, or good morning or afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this. That's right. And we have some very lovely special guests that Adam's going to introduce. I am delighted to introduce uh, speakers, musicians, uh, internet sensation, YouTube uh, artists, uh, Chris and Linda Padgett. <laughs> And cue, <laughs> yeah, yeah. cue the applause. Hello, cue hello. the applause. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Yes, it is great. Your voice sounds like butter, Adam. Uh, I, I don't even know where to go with it. Thank you. I think. Thank you. I suppose. We may have April first Fool's Day. Oh no, no. We, we already found the title. The title for this episode. Your voice is like butter. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Linda tried to I make butter the other day, I actually did. from lard. So that yeah. took the podcast in a weird direction. <laughs> yeah, we don't give cooking tips usually on this show. Yeah, that's that's a tip not to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So we are glad to have you all here with us today. We're going to jump right into the show here today. Um, Adam, why don't we get the uh, the Marian Sermon or Church News out of the way first so we can get to the meat of our conversation? Well, uh, yeah, normally, of course, under normal circumstances, yeah, we have Church News and Marian Servant News, um, but we're these are strange times, right? And we're all hunkered down. I think we've all collectively used the word hunkered more than ever before um, as we describe our current plight locked in our homes. So, of course, Javier, you are in your home in Elkridge. Is it Elkridge? Yeah, Maryland, Elkridge, suburb of uh, Columbia, D.C. You know, DC area. We're in our home in Catonsville, and the Pagets are connecting to us in their multi-sided home in New York. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> oh, oh, great. Tell, tell him what he wins, Bob. For the- <laughs> it's a nine-sided, it's a nonagon. And, uh, it, you know, each of the kids can have their own place to go when they're in trouble. So it's perfect. It works out really well right now, I would think. Yes, yeah. it is. With everyone. Mm-hmm. That, that reminds me, that was the other thing I wanted to introduce them as, you know, authors, speakers, internet sensation, and baby making. Yeah, fertility experts. <laughs> But I forgot to mention that part yes. in my intro. <laughs> so go ahead, get it out there. How many kids do you have? Well, we have nine, um, five girls, four boys. And uh, our three oldest are 
married and uh, for the most part, and we almost married, yeah. almost married. <laughs> We're hoping to have a wedding here May. Soon. So yeah. it literally could just be bridegroom and and us. I mean, it's it's uh, it's crazy, but yeah. So uh, right now we have almost all of our kids home. Yeah, um, so six of them are home because yeah. our college student had to come home. And then we do have our third daughter and her baby is going to come and stay probably Saturday because her husband's a Marine and his deployment's been on hold, but it's still kind of up in the air. We shall see. Yeah. Right. Strange times. So let me, I want to finish that point though, that for the Marian servants, the the news is um, we're using technology to our advantage. We have the zoom meetings. So, um, so all the Marian servants who are listening to this should already know that if they want to join us on Monday nights via zoom, we're having a meeting. And if they want to join Clearwater community, that's on Tuesdays at 10 AM. And if they want to join Houston, that's at 10 AM central time on Thursdays. And so those are the three opportunities for Marian servants to get together on zoom and have community, um, while in this time when we're sequestered. And then as far as church news, I mean, what's, what, what can you say other than the fact that everything's canceled right now? And we're joking about a palmless Sunday, mm-hmm. right? That that's what we're, that's what we're facing. Mm. Um, See at our house, what we're going to do for Palm Sunday is I'm going to take like a, like a parsley thing, dip it in some hand sanitizer and just kind of flick it at the kids. <laughs> as I walk. That's, that's how we're going to start our, our Palm Sunday mass here. So, <laughs> Yeah, things are kind of crazy. There was um, there was a, a, a there's a video thing going on 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 Twitter right now. They had some video of the Pope uh, when he was um, lifting up the monstrance there in St. Peter's, and um, he the sequence of videos contrasts what he did there with the monstrance with what we're seeing in some of the uh, evangelical media. It's very very interesting. I'm gonna put it in the show notes to just to get kind of get some general reaction from the from the from the listeners, you know, but. The appeal to God right now, the appeal to the mercy of, of the Holy of the Lord and the Holy Spirit is very different than what you're hearing from other places where they're basically trying to invoke the uh, the, the the wrath of God to to, to kill the, the coronavirus. It's just a kind of a different you know take on things. And I've been really following the the, the reaction to all this on Twitter. It's been very interesting. So I'll put a link to that. Speaking of Palm Sunday, um, the other day I put up, with so many churches unable to provide palm branches for Palm Sunday, parents are encouraged to find their sharp objects, other sharp objects for the kids to play and bother siblings with during the attendance of online mass. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we're all all having to change how we worship, how we... How we quietly yell at our children during sacred services, how we we interact with each other, but... um, but it, it it is interesting though. I think families, a lot of families, are probably spending more time talking about faith compared to to before. I mean, there's certainly more of a, a need with the amount of people who have lost jobs, and um, so they're leaning into Christ. Um, I think many of them, maybe for the first time, and I've seen some of those crazy videos too, Javier, with um, some of the uh, evangelical extreme charismatics, even with uh, the name it and claim it stuff. I think I saw something with Kenneth Copeland the other day that was like insane. That guy is completely nuts. And I noticed the difference too, that that, uh, the difference of the Holy Father lifting the monstrance, that he is bringing Jesus to us, whereas the other ministers are, at least though in that scenario, um, is it is more of a uh, like a power 
I don't know what it is, but it's just, I just, the simplicity of just here's Jesus. This is what you need. This is who you need is Jesus. And, and that is enough. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Amen. We could stop right there, right? Like, <laughs> drop the microphone. That's right. It, it would yeah. be kind of short, but. <laughs> well, but when you've said it well, when Linda says it well, what needs, what else needs to be said? Okay. So uh, for those who are listening and wondering, what in the world do the pageants have to do with Marian servants? Well, I'm glad you asked. So, what? Uh, well, January of last year, I was I, I go and I help with the school twice a year. And in January last year, I was looking at the the roster of students to see who I was going to see again and who I was going to meet, and was um, shocked to see Linda Paget's name on the roster, and um, was kind of delighted because. Uh, 21 years ago, Chris, or 20 years ago, Chris and I were helping with middle school youth ministry at the same parish Mm. in Florida. And so I remember meeting Linda and at that time they just had, uh, I think four kids, which I thought was a tremendous number of kids when I was pregnant with my first. Mm. And And we formed a deep, deep friendship then that has lasted all these years. (laughs) I wish. That would have been pretty awesome. Okay. No, it so was, that's a joke. They don't remember us at all. Is the yes. I think I, well, I think I, I do a little bit. I mean, we we were all a lot younger. I was certainly skinnier back then, and uh, but I remember that event because we did a lot of stuff at Espiritu uh, Santo with Steve Moitel. We did we did numerous gigs there. So um, maybe maybe it was near the end when you were, when you had come in. But um, I think it's really cool that 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 was the start of something that we would find ourselves back in to fellowshipping, talking about faith and family. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And so I, I think at that time I was really intimidated by Linda, but getting to know her, um, (laughs) spending like four weeks together, the last two Januaries, um, I just find her to be delightful. She is a little intimidating mom of nine, uh, wonderful kids, beautiful children, most of whom are um, not in jail. Yeah. Well, but also just contributing to the goodness in the world. Right. And, um, but also supporting a guy who is uh, kind of famous in the Catholic world. My kids have been very, they're like, you're not really going to have dinner with Chris Padgett (laughs) and his wife. And I was like, yes, actually we are. And, But that like gives Adam and me some, you know, cred with the younger crowd because uh, because Chris is like Catholic famous, (laughs) right? Um, (laughs) Which is different than real famous. It is very different. Yes, when you're Catholic famous, (laughs) only only a few people know you. Yeah. (laughs) But but we have found just uh, a mutual, not just love of the Lord, but also just mutual uh, humor and uh, enjoying uh, some time together and. And laughing together, and uh, because Linda, um, I think one of our questions and one of the things that we wanted to talk about is how did you end up at the school in Clearwater? of Of all of the things, uh-huh. all of the places that you could go, yeah, and and why, and why spiritual direction? Right, so I think. Kind of Soon after we moved here, it was 2017, we moved from Steubenville to New York. And I just felt this leading in my heart that it was time to uh, think outside the box of being uh, 
I hate to say just a mom, but you know, the idea of I've, I was in the trenches of having baby after baby for so long. And I just felt like it was time to look outside of that for something more in ministry. And um, my first thought was, I want to do something not in the church, but over a, a, probably a good year of, and, of prayer and talking with Chris and my pastor, it just came very clear to me that spiritual direction was where he was leading me. And it was, a, and the more I read about it, the more I realized it was a good fit for um, my desire, my love, my love for just being one-on-one with somebody and journeying together with somebody in their prayer life, in their spiritual journey. I love that. I just, you know, I come alive with that. And so um, it became pretty clear that was it. And so my priest, my pastor here had gone uh, through a similar spiritual direction program. He was actually, I think in his third year when he was talking to us about it and and I said, you know, something similar to that. I couldn't do what he was doing, but he's the one who kind of went on the hunt and found uh, the school here and 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 thought this because it's Ignatian and Franciscan, he said that uh, and it had a reputable reputation because there is we do have something maybe similar or not similar. No, there might be some type of spiritual direction courses around our area of some sort, but uh, finding it to be orthodox and reputable and. Uh, has been the challenge. And so that's really, I, I did absolutely no research before it was my priest said, this is where you should go. And I'm like, okay. And I applied. And uh, so that was my first exposure to the Marian servants. I had not ever heard of Marian servants until I was there for the school. And what a beautiful uh, group of people. He <laughs> does a beautiful, uh, I don't know, calling there. Uh, uh, to be called to the Marian servants. And so um, it's been, I can't, I, I think some of the best money, <laughs> the best time, the best effort I've ever put into my own personal spiritual life has been because going to the school and the growth that has come from it is just, I don't, it's uncomparable to anything else in my life. Chris, have you noticed a difference? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, Linda's already been a very strong, confident person who had a very deep, rich prayer life and was very much a part of the ministry with evangelization and, uh, you know, had honestly probably helped me write most of the books that have come out that I've done. And um, so she's been very actively involved. But I would say it's just it was like submerging into the deep end in terms of what she really felt called to do. And not just, you know, for spiritual renewal, but just kind of preparing her to to take another deep step in um, in love and sharing her faith by being a person um who could offer that that gift of spiritual direction to others. And what's interesting is that a lot of people would always want Linda's ad- advice or insight because she's a very level-headed person. But um, I just think what this, it's like giving a person who knew this is what they were capable of doing, all the tools to do it. And watching that the last couple of years has been pretty amazing. Very powerful for our family. I, I, the funny thing is about spiritual direction and what I'm learning through the school is uh you know, I think a lot of people who are called to spiritual direction have been told, oh, you're a good listener, you know, or the idea of um, people wanting advice and all of that. That seems like a natural reason why someone would lean towards spiritual direction. But what I in particular am very excited about is that this ministry requires me to step away. It, it, it calls me, it, I have to get out of myself and allow the Holy Spirit to be there 
And that excites me because doing ministry, writing, speaking, video, all the other stuff you're putting out, putting out, putting out, putting out yourself. Ultimately, yes, the Lord is to be there feeding you. And, you know, hopefully it's an overflow mentality that what we share in ministry is an overflow of our own personal spiritual life. The spiritual direction is not that even. It is it is stepping back and, and allow and just being uh, just being present to allow to to witness to call to witness with the Holy Spirit's work in somebody else's life, and that's exciting to me because for me, any chance for humility, any chance to be able to step back and allow pride to be suppressed is a good thing, and uh, so this it thrills me that that's really what spiritual direction is. I think one of the things that you said, you know. P- a lot of times the people who are drawn to become spiritual directors have been told by other people that they're they're good listeners but what we have found in the school is that we're not really no. good listeners right we, we're 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 good in in entering into what the other person is saying but oftentimes we're we're good listeners because we can respond well right. and what we find in terms of the listening in the school is that we need to like you said we want to step outside of ourselves we're we're not thinking of what our response is going right. to be that that the model of spiritual direction that's taught at the cenacle is is uh you know contemplative evocative so we're just really evoking what the person is saying and we're not necessarily um interjecting our own thoughts about what they're saying right or or our interpretation of what's going on or what they're sharing that it's that we really want the holy spirit to be the primary director right. and and learning how to do that is it is it's life changing for a family right it's life changing in a marriage right and i mean anything um, to learn to suppress ourselves and let the holy spirit take over in every area of our life is life changing and so what a great skill it gives us, I think. Yeah. So prior prior to your your starting there, did did you already have a strong devotion to to Mary? Did you did you feel like it was a catalyst towards you know you going there, or or, or did that change as a result of being at the school? I um I, as a convert, we became Catholic in Easter of ninety nine. That um, uh, we always say that we became we we learned enough about Mary to become Catholic, to be able to say, okay, I don't have a problem with this. But then it's been years of building a relationship with her. And um, it's still something that's growing. I wouldn't say that I have uh, the most strong devotion to Mary, but I definitely do. And she, I have a relationship with her that I feel is continuing to grow. Now, being at the school, uh, the one thing that I think there's a couple things that have really helped grow that relationship with her is been one, the class of the, the uh, Mariology with uh, Dr. Dodd. Uh, that was last year, 2019. And um, I, I, there was, I don't know what it was. She was, well, first of all, she's a fabulous teacher, but there, I felt like I walked away from there, not necessarily knowing more about Mary because we did quite a bit of study to become Catholic. But um, I walked out of there with just a great love for Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I don't know why. I just feel like in particular, she just really reached to me during that week. It was a beautiful moment there. And then also the idea of Our Lady of Divine Providence. Our Lady in that title is really a powerful title for me that um, 
you know, I'm a person who loves to, I want to know exactly what's going to happen. I have a to-do list and I want to have a plan, but uh, Our Lady of Divine Providence, she has it all. And, and uh, I don't know, I can look back to my life and see where she's been active under that title for so long. And uh, to be in a place there at the Cenacle that, um, where that name of hers honored so much, I feel that it's just, it's, that's been a beautiful, powerful uh, growth for me. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I guess turning towards Chris a little bit, what, what were your thoughts? Oh, I'm sorry. Is Chris, is Chris on the show too? <laughs> no, this is such a breath of fresh air for me to listen to Linda talk because usually I'm the one who um, is talking. It seems like way too much. So, you know, uh, I, I will say this. When I graduated uh, with my master's from Franciscan, I I had already been accepted into the um, pontifical program at the International Marian Research Institute in Dayton, Ohio. I, and the reason I had picked that place was I wanted to major in Mariology. I wanted my pontifical to, to degree to be in um, Marian studies. So I was elated to already be accepted. Most pontifical schools at the time, it seemed like were filled with people who were religious, you know, priests, um, nuns, uh, further formation, stuff that would be helpful for um, even you know, whatever university classes, lectures, etc. So uh, I, um, I had really bit the bullet when it came to uh, a devotion to Mary, like it was pretty hardcore. In fact, I used to say, and I still would, would say it, but Mary's my booking agent. So wherever I need to go, she just opens up the doors for me to go. And, um, and then in fact, for us, even as a family, probably every day, I'll consecrate the family to the Blessed Virgin Mary, we kind of do it together. It's a little prayer I made up. And it's just kind of us. So um, even for us as converts and growing in our love for um, for Marian devotion, the recognition of how she'd been present with us. Our first daughter was born at St. Mary's Hospital in um, in Southeast Florida. And, uh, and just looking at uh, the, the dates that some of our kids were born on. My daughter, Sarah, was born on Our Lady of Guadalupe's feast day. So um, we could definitely see her involvement in our life. When Linda picked this, again, it was really reduced down to a simple decision. One, what's a credible place that, you know, Linda could pursue something she feels passionate about with spiritual direction Two, the priest saw that gift in her. And I think had recommended the the school because he knew it to be a place of integrity. And for us, that was going to be a big deal because, you know, for 25 years or so, we've been doing full-time ministry and the idea of just picking a loosey goosey place was just not going to work. But here's the funny thing. And from my perspective, I, th I think it's worth mentioning there's so many ridiculously poor examples of spiritual direction out there that it just lends itself to almost like this crazy train of, you know, spirituality. Like it just seems to be so manipulative at times and controlling and overbearing. And I think I had, um, developed a little bit of an aversion to it because of those examples. And, and yeah, unfortunately, you know, I, people already have made their decisions about spiritual direction a long time ago, uh, based on horrible experiences that they've had written it off. So I was a little hesitant and worried, but what's been such a consoling gift is just seeing the balance that they approach this with. And, uh, the recognition that there is no interest in manipulation and, and coercion. It is truly an invitation to let the Holy Spirit work. So for me, as a person who had been trained 
um, theologically and especially in Marian studies and, you know, have a number of different degrees, uh, all of the things that I could have been concerned about, I could easily just lay down and, and realize this is going to be a blessing for a lot of people. And uh, already Linda's been, I think, really touching a lot of people's lives with the, the gift of spiritual direction. I like her. I mean, I like her. Although she's not my spiritual director, funny enough. Yeah, she shouldn't. Right. But, you know, uh, that was like, I like. That's one of the big things that we talked a lot right. about. Right. I do. I like you brought that up that his aversion to spiritual direction because of bad examples along the way. And he just kept thinking, you know, we, sh- I, we should just be each other's spiritual director. And uh, I didn't feel like that was probably proper. And I remember, uh, 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 <laughs> so many I remember asking Adrian, like right off say. the bat, I said, this is what my husband says. She was like, uh, no. <laughs> and, and, and I, the more I learned about spiritual direction, well, the more it you wasn't that no. I was saying, let's, I mean, I was saying that, but here, the mentality behind it was simply, it's weird to me if all of a sudden you go to somebody and they're like, you know, you should do this with your life. And and it's completely at odds with your family dynamic, your, your, your relationship with your spouse. Like that's the crazy idea I had almost behind spiritual direction was going to be, it was going to be divisive to a couple and not unitive to, to the couple. And that recognizing that, no, it's, it's not divisive that, that opens things up to a really beautiful appreciation for spiritual direction, which I, I think is, is not as common as people would like it to be there's a lot of hang right linda tell the truth you loved going home and saying to chris you're doing it wrong <laughs> we should not be spiritual directors <laughs> together to each other right? oh yeah in the beginning like that first couple of weeks i mentioned it he i could tell the hesitancy but it was it took some time i think for him to really understand this is what it is so he wasn't bought in right away. I think to- we've both been, ex- we've experienced people who have been very controlling and manipulative right. when it came to formation. And I think that built up a lot of walls for us. Uh, you see that a lot in Protestant um, venues and avenues of ministry, um, very controlling, almost cult-like at times. And they would call that easily spiritual formation or even direction. I think for us, seeing it done properly from a Catholic perspective uh, was was amazing, um, really amazing. And part of this was kind of fascinating to me because I, for my master's, I took a class on spiritual direction. Uh, and actually, it was a sister. She's passed away since, I believe, but she was associated with your school. And uh, she, she taught at Franciscan for a while. Um, and it was one of my all-time favorite classes. It was so good, and I thought, this is really beautiful. So when Linda ended up jumping into the class, it was kind of, it made a lot of sense to me that the good experience I had with that that nun, um, having been a part of your group, and maybe even the community, um, I just found it to be, it just resonated that this is where we should be. So I've been the, the recipient of uh, all the good stuff she's learning, really. <laughs> The school, the school's always uh, been in affiliation with Franciscan and out of that affiliation. Now, Franciscan University is now has their own program for for certifying spiritual directors as well. Yes. So feeding, feeding the need. Right. So, uh, Chris, I'm curious, what was your your STL? Your, so you have a licentiate, right? And say, yeah, ultimately, it's in systematic theology with an emphasis in Marian studies. So, um, and my my thesis that I did, my paper and defense was on Father Juniper Carroll, 
OFM. He was a uh, friar that um, began the Mariological Society of America and um, really pretty, pretty impressive impressive in a lot of ways with his content output he was a he was a master synthesis with um like um kind of putting mariology into its proper categories and he pr- he probably had the, the largest collection of books on co-redemption um that had ever been published in multiple languages and so i, I found him to be fascinating and hmm, it was kind of nice to end up at a school that he had a, in, in a lot of ways, had a, a big part in, um, you know, kind of its initial um, seed, if you will. It, it grew into something pretty beautiful over there. Although I've heard that they're discontinuing uh, the program, but but Dr. Gloria Dodd is a part of that of that university, and um, and actually she was at my defense, so. Um, I really appreciate her gifts that she brings to not only Dayton, but also knowing that she was going to be the, t- the person teaching Mariology. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's fantastic. And Linda raved about her. Um, so long and the short of it is, yeah, I I've taken a break from reading heavy Mariology though, to be uh, honest. I just, I got, we won't, we won't hold that. I got you. just a little bit like not burned out, but I, th- I think I was like, okay, I I'm kind of, I just want to be, you know, with mm-hmm. Jesus and with Mary and, and just be with them and not, and not try to, to come up with the greatest answers. Uh, I just wanted to experience them. And I think it's been a good couple of years for me of just soaking in that, um, that gift of, you know, the, the heavenly spiritual family that we get. I, I do want to do a shout out though, to the, like with Dr. Dodd, this the cynical has the school direct spiritual direction. They have some amazing teachers that are being brought in. It really, I mean, I feel spoiled, spoiled to be taught by these people. Uh, the Christology, I can't remember. Is it Doctor Newton? Doctor Newton. Yes, I want. I want to say Newman, but I, I think yeah, Newton. Right. So that was fabulous. He was so entertaining and engaging. And then, of course, I mean, Father Gallagher. Total. I felt total spoiled being able to uh, be to listen to him and to be taught directly from him, and that was such a gift. And so, actually, now we we did bring out your notes, Chris's notes from his spiritual direction class from Franciscan. We uh, we pulled out all those direct those discernment notes he had gotten. So that's correct. <laughs> Were you comparing notes? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things that we can't help but bring up when Chris is talking about uh, having an STL in Mariology is that uh, one of the things that I was so impressed by Chris, I, I his his famousness does not impress me, but um, Dad, uh, Doctor Ron Novotny, he has his he he earned his STL through Dayton as well. And, um, and that's how Gloria Dodd got connected with Mm. the Seneca. Um, they were students together. And so he, um, all along when he was teaching Mariology, he always, he always said that if, if he couldn't teach, he would prefer that it be Dr. Dodd because he was so impressed by her and, and had, stayed in contact with her 
all the years since they had had been in classes. That's really together. that's special. Yeah, that's very beautiful. So I um yeah, I love the way that God brings people together and and how um and it's just so providential. You can't make this stuff up. Um <laughs> and uh, and it is kind of a funny thing the Catholic community does have um I don't know, a very familial reach. Like it seems like you know, you're not you know, whatever what is that the seven degrees of separation with kevin bake or something like that <laughs> if you just have like a few friends that you can kind of reference point it's almost like we know everybody you know it's right. like it's it's now it's it's seven steps from franciscan franciscan connection a lot of times really that is funny <laughs> that's so funny that is funny i loved fran i loved being at franciscan i got to teach there for four years and um my daughter graduated there i got my master's there we lived there for 13 years i still have great friends there but um this year has been kind of exciting last year my son went down to ave maria so um that was kind of a great experience too i mean there are a lot of really beautiful schools and places that are trying to uh just be very steady and solid on orthodoxy and practicality and just trying to figure out ways to love and to live in this world and then all of a sudden right now we're all trying to figure out how to love and live in a world that we're that we're not able to frequent very often anymore <laughs> so yeah our world has kind of shrunk a little bit in some yeah. ways we're able to connect digitally but like physically we all have this very tight confines that we're dealing with yeah. now. you know it's and it's uh it's interesting you know we've been talking about earlier about having how our families seem to be having more conversations about the faith and that certainly is true in in my family um and i was watching uh some of your your videos earlier today on the um on the happy place homestead yeah. and uh i i as as someone with, with a large family, uh, obviously someone who who wants to bring the family uh, closer to the Lord as 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 its ultimate you know mission in terms of you know being your first ministry. How did how did how did Happy Place Homestead come about in terms of you know sharing your family's lifestyle in such a very casual, very real kind of way? That's awesome. Um... It was five years ago that we moved here, but even before that, for a few years, we had really just been stirred and feeling this. I don't know how to describe it, but Linda and I, we have these moments where we have a, like, it's not a disquiet, but we just know something's not right. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It's just, it can be a little bit of an uneasiness. It can be just a little bit of feeling unsettled. Like we somehow knew this isn't where we are, isn't exactly how it's going to look forever. So what do you want, God? And we've always kind of had that adventurous openness to whatever God would want. I like to uh, use the illustration and it's probably very nerdy of me to do this, but I love trees. And so I'm going to use this illustration <laughs> that if you want to transplant a larger tree, you can't just go and dig it up. You'll kill it. You'll kill the roots. You'll shock the roots and kill the tree. So you have to go through and you have to cut around the perimeter of the, of the tree, around the roots, a distance away, chopping the, the roots. And what happens is the roots start curling up into themselves for a little while. And then, uh, and then the tree is ready to be transplanted. And that's what I felt like for probably a couple of years before we moved from Steubenville was I felt like the chopping was happening, kind of the, the breaking of these deep roots that we had settled at in Steubenville 
And uh, we were kind of curling up in within ourselves for the Lord to come in and just whoop, grab us and transplant us here. So moving here, <laughs> naughty. Um, I, we, you want to say something, Chris? I feel like it's it's uh, it's like cutting wood <laughs> and and stacking wood for a fire and. Um, you have to place the wood in an area where it can get the proper air to pass through it. And if you don't, then you'll try to burn the wood and it won't burn as great as you want it to. I'm sorry. I've lost track. What are we talking about? <laughs> the trees are now wood. I, I so have confused. muted our microphones <laughs> Just so she can laugh. So she because can laugh. I have been laughing. Um, we, we all, the five of us can see each other uh, online at, through, and which and is probably Chris a mistake. Is, it was Chris probably is mistake. sort of like acting like he's sleeping, <laughs> and which is really interesting because Linda should have probably started snoring when Chris started talking about his STI. <laughs> that would have been the time. Yeah, to, I mean, to zone out. somehow he's some childhood story he wants to tell you. <laughs> Yeah, so every day we do this thing on our uh, Happy Place Homestead uh, page, and we so we do this live thing. It's just craziness, and um, she's been making fun of me the last few days because apparently I can't just say something. I have to tell like a childhood story with it, and uh, so now she's making me feel awkward. This reminds me of something when I was young. Now, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he did ask us about a happy place. Yeah, uh, here, here's the thing is that I grew up in the Dakotas. I, I had a little bit of experience. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Here we go. Go ahead. Give it to us. <laughs> I had a little bit of experience working on the farms of my best friends. And um, so I liked that. But, you know, when we when we started feeling this itch, we thought, what what if we did that? You know, and I'm thinking, well, I all right. This isn't so out of reach. I can imagine some things. And so we got some chickens in our little in Steubenville and we had some chickens in the backyard, which is funny. We had some rabbits and and we really kind of liked that idea. But we were looking for a place that we could see if uh, we could develop and grow. Our mindset was what if. How little income could a person live on? Like, what what could it look like if we tried to live more off the land? And so five years ago, we just knew we weren't staying in Steubenville. And we just opened ourselves up. God, you can take us anywhere. And uh, oddly and strangely and weirdly enough, we ended up north of Syracuse, New York, which never would have been on our radar at all. But uh, we've had so what? What, what is that number? What, what is that number then? What's the bare minimum nine people could live on? Out of curiosity, <laughs> we oh, haven't figured that out yet. No, <laughs> but we, we certainly will be in the next couple months. It looks like. I well, mean, we're just yeah. It's just. I, I think ultimately what we realized: one, it's easier to maintain a mons, uh, homestead than to start one, and we were starting one, and and that means you have to you have to get all of the necessary equipment in order to kind of create. A world. You're creating a world that is somehow self-sufficient. Because we moved on to a piece of property that had a house and a shed. There was no barn. Nothing. There were no uh, pastures. It was all trees. And so right. we had to clear trees to make pasture. Um, even to, to put a garden in, things had to be cleared. Uh, we've had to build outhouse, out outhouses, outbuildings in order to put the animals in or whatever. And yeah. so building that homestead has been a trial and a, cha a challenge. And, uh, but it's been a great, but we're loving it. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, I think it's, there's a lot 
of lessons to learn about faith by by working with the land. And, and I think um, that's the idea of the yeah. Happy Place Homestead YouTube channel was to start out with just sharing our adventure. Because there's one thing that we have always said about ourselves is that we are dreamers. We believe in just ever since we were dating back in high school, we've gone, we thought outside the box and have just done our thing and believe that the Lord has a desire to uh, give us our desires and our dreams. And we're just going to go for it. And so we don't want to live the the status quo. We're just going to go for this life, this radical life. And, and, uh, and so we wanted to share that in a way through, through videos or whatever. But uh, in terms of ministry for, for as long as we've been doing ministry together, which has been several years now, and and it's just getting more and more busy doing that. But we've always believed in being having a showing a transparency in our lives and a, an authenticity to us that we don't want to pretend that we have it all together because honestly nobody has it all together. Uh, that we don't have a perfect marriage. There is no perfect marriage, and what? so we've had <laughs> we've wanted to we allow this transparency in our ministry, and so having that showing that through video in a way is more, even more effective that here we're not pretending to be perfect homesteaders. We're not pretending to be a perfect family. We just want to show that authenticity through video, but at the same time, inspire people to say, you know what, if we can do this, you can do this. And so uh, that's really at the heart of the YouTube channel is not to say, Hey, come see us do it right. But Hey, we can do this. You can do this. We can. Uh, we have a, a, sign, a saying in our living room that says, "Life doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful," and so in and that is it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Nothing has to be perfect. Just just go for it. Go for your dreams. Go for your desires. Let the Lord lead you, and be real. That's what people need these days. I think that's one of the things that um, I found the timing of this this podcast. We we talked about this when you were here last month giving a a marriage conference mm-hmm. day here locally and and i think now more than ever like today more than ever before we need to learn how to establish the domestic church right mm-hmm. the family has always been called but to now, be but, but now we're locked up together so it's it's more critical right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. well but but just you you and Chris and your family being openly willing to share what what does a domestic church look like or what can one look like? And, and, we, and, and we've it is that we've seen the show. It ain't pretty. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it but <laughs> but knowing you and 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 having having just this real sense of your joy in spite of the the challenges, in spite of I know um a couple of years ago, Chris's heart issues, kind of that, all of that's scary when, when he's the primary earner, right. in in the family, but, but how the two of you together, weather the storm with the Lord and really displaying a, a tremendous amount of trust, but having this really at the core of your adventures is this goal of having a happy homestead, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, yeah. And you do that. You, you know, what's interesting. And Linda said it today, we were um, kind of having to take care of a few things. She said, uh, I'm just not going to be driven by fear. And, um, and, and I love that idea of, of all the craziness that's going on around us that ultimately in, in a worst case scenario, we're going to be with Jesus. 
I mean, you know, right. kind of, I can't wait. Like, I, so, I mean, I, even amidst all of the things that we could worry about and stress about and be frustrated about, which is, which there's a lot right now. Um, and I'm prone to being completely neurotic and a hypochondriac. But um, the thing is, is that it, she's right. I mean, we cannot, we can't just, just be fear driven. We have to be filled with hope. So here's here's the interesting thing. We scheduled No, hold on, hold on. We we scheduled this podcast uh a month ago. Yeah. And so so kind of before corona right. was kind of in our vocabulary, right? And we scheduled this um with the idea that a it would be fun to have the pageants on and b we thought it would be good to have someone who again is known in Catholic circles. And, but, but interestingly enough now, um, with what's going on, it's almost, I feel like we can, we can help each other in other, because I didn't know that I was going to do this, but now I'm going to go ahead and plug the fact that I know on your website, which is, I guess, is it Chris, Chris Padgett.com? Is that right? Yes. Um, I do notice you have a link there that says, you know, to, to help support your ministry. And as you mentioned, of course, now with everything getting canceled, when, when you make your livelihood off of speaking uh, gigs and conferences, um, if, if you can't go anywhere and you can't attend conferences, then you don't have income. So I'm just going to encourage everybody who's listening. um, If you're able to, and want to be able to support the pageants, you can go on chrispaget.com and they have a a link there that says, you know, if you want to be able to give and support the pageants in their ministry. So I'm just going to encourage everybody um, to check that out. And like I said, we, I never even thought at the time that I would plug that or that, or that it would even be necessary for me to bring that up. Because like I said, a month ago, when I, when I, you know, just sent you a, a text and said, "Hey, would you like to be on our podcast?" Um, things were functioning normally, right? A month mm-hmm. ago, how, quick, oh, yeah. how quickly things changed! Mm-hmm. How quickly things have changed from when we were just together six weeks ago right. having dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, things have changed so drastically. So I'm going to encourage all the listeners um, who I know are generous and everybody's struggling. So we recognize not everybody can help, but if you are in a position to help and want to be able to support the pageants and all that they do, there is an opportunity to do that on chrispaget.com. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yes. We have, uh, we've had some people reach out to us and who've been very generous and we pro- we always say, let us pray for you. Like that. What can we do for you? We can pray for you. And so, um, you know, we would we would be very happy to take any prayer requests that we can add to our family prayer time and just pray for people because it is the most powerful weapon against evil, right? Prayer, and we will always pray. So, yeah, that was very nice. Yeah. Um, it's a little humbling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, who who would have thought? I mean, I think it's so bizarre to me to think six six weeks ago, we, yeah, we were hanging out together, and uh, I I actually was the joke in my mind was I think I'm going to make my status for flying faster than any other year it was so busy <laughs> and then literally you're done <laughs> right. and right. and uh right. i mean in some ways that's that's the moments where you're like okay god i we're not, yeah like i mean like linda was saying we're not going to be motivated by fear we're just going to trust you and um yeah god is a God of surprises. You know, so. I think that in this homesteading circle, we we watch a lot of this on television, YouTube, whatever. And um, I do feel like there is this 
uh, driven this fear mentality of there's a preparedness which is necessary which is great and that's where I'm like we need to be prepared but to allow the Lord to lead us how he knows we need to be prepared be prepared but in the end do we believe that Jesus is in control do we believe that he is more powerful than anything that can come against us a government uh, our neighbors a virus is he truly really able able to take care of us and can we really trust him and it has to be emphatically yes absolutely and if we struggle in that trust then we ask for grace to trust more because really in the end this that is the answer is that jesus is who he says he is and we're gonna he is who we can lean on through all of everything everything amen yeah amen Adam, I think I need to get the organs. Uh, the yeah, I was, I was yeah, thinking that too. On, yeah. Preach on. We'll have organs going in the background there, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> you, you think I'm kidding, but Javier will edit in organ, a little gospel-y organ it underneath was, of that. I laughed so hard when I listened to our last episode and he did that. Um, <laughs> I was thinking, though, that the beautiful example, you know, I, I was... I was kind of starting or going down the road to say, how do people create this domestic church? Like some practical tips, but you even just shared one that um, as, as people are generous to you financially, or even those who cannot be generous financially that you're asking for their prayers. Right. Mm -hmm. But that that's one of the ways that we can build this domestic church is by praying for one another and, and bringing our kids into that um, communal prayer as a family and interceding for others. I think that there's a great underestimation of the power of intercessory prayer. And I think that we, um, we, we only have to look at the saints to know that this is something that is like, the best kept secret in the church almost Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. that we are all we we are all called to sainthood and some people are called to be you know theologians and some people are called to um like mother Teresa, serve the poor hands-on but we are all called to to intercede for one another as brothers and sisters and and i think that um this is the time right? right That's right. Boy, there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of organ music there <laughs> for you to add. Just from beginning to end, I just have it running in the background. Yeah, right. <laughs> I do love this uh, invitation to to deeper prayer because I think that that is maybe one of the areas that a lot of people struggle with. Maybe the most is I think when you say be, being pe- a person of prayer, it's so hard to imagine what that looks like. That maybe a lot of people are inclined to just to not worry about that. It's just too much. But it, it it is truly simply dialogue with someone who loves us more than we could ever love. And um, when you, I, I just finished writing this book called Keep Your Head Down and Your Faith Up. It's Linda, I, Linda has to edit it, but it's done. <laughs> and what I've, I've been really just thinking about is that he's either trustworthy or he's not. Like you can trust him or you or you don't. And if you don't trust him, why? And it's usually people have all these weird ideas about who God is. But one of the ways that we can counter those odd ideas is is entering into dialogue with him and the beauty of prayer, like that God is inviting us to to really have such a connection with him, then that we would want to reach out and bless and to love others. 
And um, I just in terms of prayer, uh, I told this story the other day. From your childhood? No, uh, this is not. But, but that's a hilarious thing to say. Uh, I, when I was a kid, I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell you. Now, uh, I knew this guy in the uh, Chicago area who uh, was a very like, awesome figure in youth ministry. He was a larger guy, not not big, but just tall, and uh, had a really deep, rich voice. And his laugh is just so recognizable, crazy, um, unstoppable. Such a person of faith, you know. And uh, he got ALS, and. Uh, in in what felt like no time whatsoever, he physically is a shell of a man compared to who he was before. And I had the privilege of being with him not long ago. And uh, he couldn't speak, obviously, but he could use his eyes to, to communicate with the computer. So it's amazing the technology that's available. But when he wrote, and if I was communicating with him, and I almost, you know, would say these funny things just to see if I could get a reaction out of him, and he would moan uh, with a little smile, and just that moan enough, uh, I could hear his voice. I mean, he had such a unique tenor and tone to his voice. So the other day, I uh, I looked on social media. It was like late, and uh, he had posted. I am offering tonight all of my suffering for people who have lost their jobs who do who do ministry. And I I still I could get very emotional with this and I it just almost caused me to 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 cry instantly with that was a guy who is so physically restricted and seemingly unable to do great things for the kingdom of God united his ache and his suffering to the cross of Christ and that became a prayer that is so impactful and powerful it is i think it's one of the um i don't know one of the most mis understood and forgotten secrets this this gift of redemptive suffering and um the amount of prayers that are happening because of people uniting their suffering and struggling to the cross of jesus and the way it impacts this world is is something that um maybe we need to remind uh one another and, and others about because boy oh boy i'm sure my life has changed because of his willingness to unite that suffering to jesus and and uh Anyway, I, th I was thinking about that. Maybe that encourages somebody out there who's been experiencing some suffering, you know. I'd say that's a, a good place to end here, just encouraging everybody who's listening to to take this time and unite in any of the ways that you're suffering. Unite it to, to the cross, unite it to Jesus, and uh, let him use it for, for the good of the world. Amen. 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 Well, was a fantastic episode. I want to thank you guys so much for being with us. Um, listeners, as a reminder, you can access all the links and more information about what we've talked about today on this show at numinous.fm slash redeemer slash 10. We're at double digits, Adam. We're, we're, we're getting there. It's exciting, right? To get 10, 10 under our belt. That's right. Yeah. Well, so we've had nine, nine good episodes. <laughs> 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 Are we, are we, are we done? Well, we're almost done. We haven't cut off yet. 
<laughs> I was going to say, I can't see my cheekbones on this podcast. Um, so I want to thank all of you for joining us for this episode of Redeemer. If uh, you have uh, any thoughts you'd like to share with us, if you have questions or comments, we'd love to hear them. You can reach Adam via email to redeemer at newminist.fm. You can also reach me on Twitter at Javier Plume. That's J-A-V-I-E-R-P-L-U-M-E-Y. And uh, Chris and Linda, what's the, what's the best way to people people to get a hold of you or where should I send people to learn more about you and your ministry? Sure. If you go to uh, chrispadgett.com, you can email me from there easily, but we're doing tons of stuff on the Happy Place Homestead YouTube channel. So if you just type in Happy Place Homestead, it's on YouTube and it's on Facebook. Um, that's it. I mean, really, we do every day a little Facebook thing called uh, the County Route Report on our Happy Place Homestead page. That's just fun little morning show stuff. Anyway, yeah, so I think we're pretty easy to find. Yeah, well, therefore, we'll have a link to your show and your channel on the in the show notes on the website and in the podcast feed so that uh, if you, whatever app you're using to get to the podcast, you'll have a link straight to the uh, to all that, all those uh, to, to the website, also to the channel as well. And we expect you to reciprocate patches that you will link. Absolutely. Oh, we're going to link that so yeah. hard. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Forget that I said that. <laughs> and finally, if you'd like to learn more about the Marian Servants, you can visit www.divineprovidence.org. And I want to thank you again for, and, uh, for being here on the show. Adam, once again, thank you for being available and contributing to the show. April Fool's. April Fool's. We're a fool for Christ, as Chris said. I'm going to give you credit for that, Chris. Thanks. Fool for Christ. And Holly, thanks again for being with us. Thank you. Have a good night. God bless you all. And and of course, uh, Chris and Linda, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and just uh, spending an hour here with us and a conversation. It's really been a, a great time. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you.